0: I got asked several weeks ago, several months ago, uh, to come and speak at the men's day at Lake City. Some of you guys have heard some of the stuff I'm going to talk about. Just act like you've never heard it tonight, okay? Because I thought the topic that they gave me was one that would be helpful for all of us to hear. And they wanted me to talk about the subject of comfort. What are we comfortable with? Are we ever willing to step outside the boat to be uncomfortable? You know, one of those things in our world today is that the idea of being uncomfortable, it's kind of like a trump card that we play in a card game, right? I'm Miss Hazel, I know, you, I know you guys like to play cards. Uh, you know, Tony, you guys like to play cards whenever somebody has a trump card. That's, they throw that down and there's nothing you can do, right? They, they have won because they played the trump card. Well, one of the great trump cards in our world today, even more so today than it has ever been, is, is this, this tiny little phrase, that makes me uncomfortable. You had anybody say that to you? Maybe they've said those words. Maybe they've just gotten the idea across to you. But, but once they have said that, then you are to back away and, and not say anything in response. Because the worst thing we could ever do is to make someone uncomfortable i don't know why i'm leaning forward i got a mic right on my mouth the first time i ever i ever came across this i was a very young preacher and in our congregation i mean we, we got to the end of services, and who was whoever was up there making the announcements they would just call on somebody to to lead the prayer and I'd witnessed this for several months, and you know it's you know and as as we closed, Don, you'll lead us in a, in a closing prayer or or you know uh, we'd go around the room whoever would lead us in a closing prayer and I, once I finally got into that position, I kind of got to know people's names a little bit. I will never forget that I was standing up front, I was giving the announcements, announced what the closing song was, and then I said, and brother Larry' will lead us in a closing prayer and i will never forget this that he stood there and he goes what he was saying was that makes me uncomfortable and so i said well okay then we'll ask bill to lead the closing prayer i mean but but this, this was the first time that i really came across that Uh, throughout the years as we've talked about our our worship and the things that we do or we don't do in our worship uh, for some people it's become a trump card when they see something that they don't like maybe it wasn't the way they were raised doing something or maybe it's something they haven't really thought thought uh, out all that well uh they'll say well well i i can't i can't give you any scripture for it but but that just really makes me uncomfortable and what they mean by that is you need to quit it because it makes me uncomfortable can i tell you if all I can say is that it makes me uncomfortable. By the way, there are a lot of things that make me uncomfortable. There really are. I, I, I'm, I'm one of the most opinion, opinionated people you'll ever meet, okay? I wish that weren't the case, but my, my raisin dies hard. Just not as hard as some of yours, but it dies pretty hard, right? But if the only thing I can say is that it makes me uncomfortable, do you know whose problem that is? It's my problem. I've got to deal with that. I can't come to you saying that my comfort is is what ought to rule you any more than you're going to come to me with those things. Sometimes we've used it as as excuses for why we don't share our faith. We all know we ought to share our faith. We all know about the Great Commission and the idea that we ought to be telling others about Jesus and studying the Word. But but sometimes people feel completely justified that they've never shared their faith with a single soul because that makes me uncomfortable. Uncomfortable and that's why I don't do it. Over the last two years, th- throughout the time of COVID, th- this, this, this fascination with what makes us comfortable or uncomfortable has really come to, well, to epidemic levels, where, where now, and by the way, I'm going to say this, but you know I am not a COVID denier, I have been over backwards to accommodate and to walk with people. There are still reasons that people aren't here today. Real reasons. I get that. But I'm going to say that in our culture today, people are doing what they want to do. And if they don't really want to do something, we have a trump card. That makes me uncomfortable. I've seen almost everything in society that has been dismissed with just those short little words. You take that... That's not just in the world, that's in the church. That's in the church. There are brethren, there are brethren who have not set foot inside a church building in the last two years, not because they're going to die when they come here, not because they have legitimate medical reasons, but because, and you will ask them, it makes me uncomfortable. It's a trump card. Is it okay for us to be uncomfortable? Uncomfortable? I looked up a definition of what it means to be uncomfortable, and, and I think the best I could come up with is just the idea that there's something that needs to be done. Maybe as a body, maybe as individuals, we need to do something, but, but we don't really want to do it because we know, we know that there is a danger that it is going to cause us some degree of emotional or physical pain. I, I found this quote from John Calipari, head coach of the University of Kentucky men's basketball team. Sorry if you're not a U.K. fan, but, but, but he's, he's, I thought he had a really interesting point about coaching, and we would say he's a good coach for saying this. He said, my job for all of my athletes is to make them uncomfortable. Their job is to become comfortable being uncomfortable because that is where growth happens. Now, we all understand that about basketball, don't we? We all understand that about basketball. Do we understand it about our faith? Uh, I found online 10 things that make us uncomfortable, but that would help us grow. We all know these would be good things, but we don't do these things because they make us uncomfortable. Uh, number one, um, learning to take a compliment. Number two, public speaking. It's terrifying to people. I forget. I forget how scared people are of public speaking, it's just what I do. But I, but I love this this evening that the, the, these young people that, that are going out and they're going in the, in the, into these different congregations, I hope that you're looking forward to Leadership Sunday because one of, one of the things that you're going to find really fascinating, um, you guys know the, the Roberts who been they worship with us on Sunday nights from down in Florida, and their son, Kellen, I'm just going to tell you, he, he will not be the best speaker that we have on Leadership Sunday. He won't, Okay. But I'm going to tell you that a couple months ago, I was pre- I'm pretty sure he was scared to say his name in a room all by himself. Terrified. And he's going to get up and he's going to stand. This night, you might want to pray for him right now because he's sweating as, as we speak. But he's, he's going to stand up at the Madison congregation tonight and he's going to talk about what it means to be strong and courageous. Things that make us uncomfortable, but they will help us grow that boy is so uncomfortable right now, but what he's doing right now is going to help him to be a man. It's going to help him to be a godly man and a leader. Ten things that make us uncomfortable, but that would help us grow. Waking up early. I know I should get up, but I don't do it. Taking critical feedback. Giving critical feedback. Exercise. How many of us know we'd be better off if, we, if we'd exercise every day? We all know that, all right? How many of us go to the gym every day? Put y'all's hands down, besides like two of you, right? Uh, and I, I mean, I've got my hands down there pretty, pretty close. We know it. We know it, but that doesn't mean that we do it. Unplugging, putting down our smartphone, turning off our televisions. We know that that would be beneficial. We don't do it. Admitting a mistake, admitting you don't understand Well, that list is is lengthy, but maybe you could add to it. He's simply trying to demonstrate this idea. There are lots of things that we know would be beneficial. Why don't we do them? Why don't we eat less? Why don't don't we go to the gym? Why don't we commit ourselves to to reading God's Word? Why why don't we get out of bed? Why, why, Why don't we unplug? It's because those things make us uncomfortable. And You can do whatever you want to do with with your exercise habit, okay? But when it comes to our relationship with God, we've got to get over this idea that being uncomfortable means that we shouldn't do it. That we should only do the things that we're comfortable with. Because if we do only the things that we are comfortable with, growth will not happen. You will be as strong and as mature as you are today. And you don't look exactly like Jesus. So we have some growth to take place. I thought about, I thought about the, words, the words of the Lord in Amos chapter 6 and verse 1 when He said to Israel, woe to those who are at ease in Zion, to those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria. He said, you're, you're, you're sitting up there, you're, you're so far away from God and you feel like everything's fine everything's wonderful, we, we, don't need to, we don't need to have any growth. How many people c- come, come, come into the worship of the Lord's body and, and they sit there as if they don't need to grow? Thinking about what someone else needs to hear, what someone else needs to do, and they never and it never occurs to them, I need to grow. Sitting there as if there is not work to do. Sitting there as, as if God would, would never ask me to do anything that would make me uncomfortable well, God's going to ask you to do things that are going to make you uncomfortable all the time because you're not God. And if God never asks you to do things that make you uncomfortable, you might want to ask yourself whether you're worshiping the one true and living God or you've made a God out of yourself. Because that, that's what was going on in Israel. They were just sitting there, not listening, not, 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 not responding. For my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, when, when, I, when, I, I speak, when I speak to my son, I, I will tell him I want him to do something or he needs to pay attention to something. And th- there's this thing that teenage boys say now that I, I hate it, okay? Because what, whatever I say, uh, Dylan Dean, I'm sure you guys don't ever say this to your daddy, but, but Deacon will look at me and, and he'll say, I'm good. I'm good. Catherine, your boys ever say that? Yeah. You're good. What does that mean? I mean, you're not good, right? That's why I'm telling you this. I wasn't asking a question. I'm good. No, you're not good. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If you were perfect, Jesus says you wouldn't need me, but you're not. If If you weren't sick, you wouldn't need a physician, but you are sick. That's why Jesus came into the world. Jesus would try to help His disciples understand this. See, there was a time time when people would flock to Jesus by the hundreds, by the thousands. Of course, He was healing the sick. He was feeding people. We'll be here in John John chapter 6, and and you, you understand what happens whenever He feeds the people. They follow Him wherever He goes, right? Does that ever happen in the church? Of course it does. Of course it does. In John, in John chapter 6, verses 60 through 62, the, the text says Jesus is talking to the people. Matter of fact, he actually says the only reason you're here is because you want something to eat, right? But if you want to follow me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And we'll unpack that on Sunday morning in a couple of weeks. But he says, when his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? See, Jesus said some things that were hard to hear. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, right? We have this teaching, and maybe it's come forth in a Bible class. Maybe it's come forth in a sermon, and it's challenged us. And we talk to everybody about it except for the people we need to be talking about it because it's hard it's difficult. It's actually calling on me to make a change. But Jesus knew. And he said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? So when, when Jesus would, would say these things, when Jesus would challenge his followers, he wasn't trying to be a jerk. Now some people, some people can be jerks in the name of the Lord okay? I, I, truly believe, I truly believe that. You, you've seen that. Maybe, maybe you've been that on, on occasion. That's not what Jesus is. Jesus is saying these things with, with the right motives and in the right way and, if, and at the right time, but they're grumbling, well, well who, who does he think he is? And Jesus just looks at them, and if I could paraphrase what he's saying is that if you can't listen to this, if if this makes you so uncomfortable that that, that you're grumbling amongst yourself, then, then what what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do when real difficulty comes? I I think this is one thing as we deal with COVID in the church that, that has just exposed our weakness. For years and years and years, we have been the people that, that, that have said that have said, listen, we'll we'll die. We'll die for the Lord. And we have turned everything upside down because we don't want to get sick and acted like dying is the very worst thing that could ever happen to us. I don't want anybody to die. I'm not trying to get anybody sick. I'm, I, I, none of that, okay? We've had that conversation. But I'm just telling us over these last two years, I have not looked out amongst the body and said, we will stand and have our or have our heads cut off before, before we'll back down or compromise. I haven't seen it. I think that's what Jesus is saying. We've We've seen COVID bring churches to its knees, not not just in regards to the sickness. What's happened in churches? Congregations have divided. Have they not? We've done very well with COVID intentionally and with a lot of work from from, from our leadership. We've done very well with it, but don't think we haven't had our issues. Congregations have divided. People have gotten ugly. Saints have stopped assembling for years. That makes me uncomfortable. Well, it makes me uncomfortable too. But do, do you not think that those things are going to have a far greater impact on the generations to come? We, we have our school teachers who are worried. All of our school teachers, they will tell you about this great concern of what, of what is going to be the result of children missing a year of, of education. And rightfully so. You talk to my wife, she'll, she'll tell you about, about some, some of the classes. They're just behind. They've missed that time that, that they can't get back. Right, and it shows in the work that they're able to perform. If it didn't show, you might ask what they were doing in the first place, right? But if we're concerned about our children and their education in school, what do you think is going to be the result of that spiritually? What's going to be the result when we have young people when we have young people who who, who have not been in a Bible class in years? Where we have young people who have, not engaged, who have not engaged in fellowship of the body. This is not just about young people, by the way. But what do you think is going to happen? You know what's going to happen. You know the impact that's going to be there. And the question that Jesus is asking, so if, if, this is, if this is what this has done to us, then what are we going to do when real persecution comes? I think these are very real questions. There are many things that are going to make me uncomfortable, but I must persevere in those things. And this, the text says in John 6, verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Does that ever happen? It made me so mad what he said. It made me so mad. I'm never coming back. I can give you a list of people that say they will never set foot in a church building again, and they will attach my name to it. I'm not proud of that list, okay? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a fair list. It's not, I'm not bragging about that. I'm just telling you I've been, on the, I've been on the receiving end of some of that, and I've lost a lot of sleep over those things, trying to understand what could I do, what should I do, what needs to be done. But I'm going to tell you, these people turned away because, because they said that's too hard. That is too hard for me to listen to. And the question for us is, what are we going to do? What are we going going to do when our heart is cut? Not cut by some malicious individual, but what about when it's cut by the Word of God? You have that example in Acts chapter 2, and they were cut to the heart and 3,000 souls were baptized into Christ. You you make yourself over to Acts Acts chapter 7 and Stephen preaches the gospel and they're cut to the heart and they pick up stones and they throw them at his head until he's dead because they want to shut him up. The question becomes, how are we going to respond? Because the gospel is going to make us uncomfortable. If it's not making us uncomfortable, we must question whether it's the message of God. God. In Matthew chapter nineteen, Jesus gives his teaching on the sermon. On the sermon, on he gives his teaching on marriage and divorce and remarriage. You want to stir up a hornet's nest? Go ahead. You start preaching on Matthew nineteen nine, but whatever you want to do with it, look at the response. Don't don't make Matthew nineteen nine say nothing, because the appropriate response, the the response that Jesus got, is that when they heard these things, they said, "If." such is the case of a man with his wife, it would be better not to marry. If I'm understanding what you're saying, Jesus, man, I might even think about not getting married. And Jesus didn't say, no, 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 you, you, you misunderstood me. Right, we've had those conversations. That's not what I said, that's not what I meant. No, Jesus looks at me He says, well, not everyone can receive this saying, only those to whom it is given. That's the teaching of Jesus. Church, can I tell you? Can I tell you that if your preacher is never making you uncomfortable, he is probably not proclaiming the whole counsel of God? I'm saying that as a preacher who would like, who would like to remain your preacher for a very long time. Okay? That's a little, kind of a risky statement. But if, if you're never uncomfortable and you have a pure and an honest heart, then it has something to do with what you're being told. It is time for a new preacher. By the way, by the way, Jesus made people uncomfortable with grace and with truth. We we need to understand that. We, we, We need to be made uncomfortable by a proclamation of the truth, and we need to be made uncomfortable by a proclamation of God's grace. He came full of both of those things. And I don't know what makes you uncomfortable, but maybe if it makes you uncomfortable, you ought to think about it what makes me uncomfortable about those things maybe i need to stand more maybe i need to stand more for truth maybe i need to stand more for grace because that's what jesus stood for even you stay there in matthew, in matthew chapter 19 when we read about the rich young ruler and the text says you remember he told the rich young ruler well what must i do to inherit eternal life keep the law i've kept the law well here's what i want you to do go out and, and go out and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor yeah. That's a big deal. Nobody in this room has ever done that. Matter of fact, if you ever teach a Bible class on Matthew chapter 19, the rich young ruler, I guarantee you somebody's going to raise their hand because before we get any further, they want to clarify and just make sure that we make the point that we don't have to do that. But that's what he told this man to do because he was struggling with the sin of greed. And the text says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He didn't say, man, I finally got it figured out. He told me what to do, and now all i got to do is do it. He knew exactly what I needed to do. He was cut to the heart, but he was not willing to be changed by the Word. He was not willing to be changed by the Word. Jesus looks at us in the places that we need to grow the the most, and he challenges us to be changed by the Word of God. We, 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 I've got more to talk about. if you were there at Lake City, y'all know I, I did a little speed preaching there, and I've tried to slow this down a little bit. but, but I, wanna, I want you to know I want you to know that there are things about the Word of God, the Holy Word of God. they're going to make us uncomfortable. And that's OK. We should expect to be uncomfortable. We should expect to be pushed and to be challenged. To, to have to think and discuss and, and, and process these things in our mind. Because I'm not a finished product, and neither are you. But when we allow ourselves to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, guys, that's where growth happens. That's where growth happens. That's where, that's where a young man who's scared to death to say his own name in a room by himself all of a sudden is standing up in front of people, leading them in a proclamation of God's Word. That's where a man who's, who's who's set in the background, who's set in the background, all of a sudden says, No, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a leader in my family. You think that's not uncomfortable? You think that's not uncomfortable if you haven't led your family in, in all in all your life on the first night that you stand up and say, We're gonna read our Bible together. Of course it is. To have conversations in your home and with your family. There are things that are going to make us uncomfortable. Some stuff doesn't make me uncomfortable. Okay? there's probably some stuff that makes you uncomfortable, doesn't make me uncomfortable. But all of us find ourselves falling short and being pressured by the word of God. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Do not be satisfied with where you are today. It's one of the great things about growth in Christ. I I, I don't know, I don't know what uh, 50-year-old Wes looks like. I mean, a little more gray hair and whatnot. But, but you know, I'm excited. I'm excited that the Lord gives me another decade in, in, in this world. Okay, six years, I'll fess up. If he gives me another six years in this world, I'm excited about that because I know that 30-year-old Wes had no idea what 40-year-old Wes would look like. Th- th- there's growth that has taken place I didn't even know was possible. I thought I was pretty good. And compared to some, I guess it was. But compared to Jesus, compared to the cross, oh, you're so far to go. I want to be spurred on by that. Let it make me uncomfortable so that I can one day be comfortable. I don't know if you guys listened to Dave Ramsey when we were in Tennessee. Uh, A lot of people were big Dave Ramsey fans. And he would have this line uh, about about cutting debt out of our lives and not spending money we don't have. I've listened some, not enough. But, but, but he would always have this line that, that we have to live like no one else so that one day we can live like no one else. He's saying that I have to, I'm going to deny myself today so that one day I won't have to deny myself. And he's talking about money, but I think that's a pretty relevant spiritual principle. I want to be made uncomfortable by the Word and the will of God today. So that one day, one day I'll be comfortable when he returns. Because there are going to be a whole lot of people that are uncomfortable when Jesus comes back. I don't want to be one of them. I want to be one of those that rejoices when he returns. I want to be one that can pray for his coming. I'm not intimidated by the second coming. I hasten it. Only if I'm uncomfortable in this world. Well, probably launched off a thousand discussions tonight. Maybe some things for you to think about, for you to talk about. I would welcome those things. But can I tell you, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, if you're here tonight and you've never been baptized to have your sins washed away, you ought to be uncomfortable. I don't apologize for that. You ought to be uncomfortable. If you're here tonight and sin is, is ruling in your life, if you, if you have secret sin like Aiken did in our Bible class this morning, you ought to be uncomfortable uncomfortable but here's the great thing if you've given your life to christ if you've given your life to christ if you can tell me about the day when you were born again and you and you walk in the light as he is in the light not as a perfect man but a man who is striving and coming to jesus on a continual basis you ought to be perfectly comfortable you ought to be perfectly comfortable well may our discomfort Lead us to Jesus and his word and his will. Friends, if you have a need tonight, you come as we stand and as we sing.